previously on Across the Tracks. We talked about people feeling threatened by us. Here's a perfect example that this young man lost his life because somebody felt like, oh, the music is threatening me now. I mean, I, I don't get it. Not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the guy, I, I read into the you know the situation, and the guy had just been released from prison for yep. just a couple of weeks or weeks or a couple of days, and he said while he was in prison, you know, that music you know, was threatening to him because he had gotten beat up or, you know, something in those sorts. And so when he heard that music, he felt that he was, you know, back in the prison and he had to defend himself because the music was attacking him. I'd like to get your reflections on the send her back chance that uh, that occurred this week. To make a long story short, (laughs) it's dumb. It's disrespectful, and it shouldn't take place. Okay, how about you, Joe? What 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 story you have to start us off with? Well, I used to love just taking off running and sliding down the hallway in my sock feet. Well, I slid one day into the corner of the door, split my head open, scared as all get out. My oldest brother, Alan, he came in. What's the matter? I said, I, I hit my head. Mom's going to get me. Mom's going to get me. Believe it or not, guys, he took, you remember the lard that used to sit on the stove? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and packed it inside my head <laughs> and made me wear a ball cap. Across the tracks, it is August, August the 25th, and I'm Steve. And I am Wayne, and uh, we've been gone for a minute, but we're back, and it's a great day to be alive and uh, doing the Across the Tracks podcast. It's a great Sunday night because power is back tonight, and uh, (laughs) if you're a fan of power, Make sure you check it out. Uh, I'm re- actually recording it now because it comes on six o'clock here on the, in the West. So I'm recording it now to watch after the podcast. So looking forward to Power. And um, I, I'm, if you watch Power, I don't know. You do you watch Power? Are you a Power I fan? I do watch. I do watch Power. Well, one one of the things you'll notice this season, man, they changed the theme song. And I particularly, oh, really? yeah, they changed the theme song and I, I don't like the theme song. So uh, 50 cents did a remix of uh, uh, Big Rich Town and uh, he's got Trey songs in there and he's got Boogie with the hoodie uh, doing a rap in there. So it's totally changed from from the original theme song, which I thought was fantastic with 50 Cent and Joe uh, on on that. <laughs> uh, it, it has changed. So that's the only you know thing I, I'm not looking forward to is hearing that new theme song. But the new season should be very interesting. It's called the, uh, I think, The Final Betrayal is the name of the season. So big ups for power. It's back, and I'm looking forward to checking it out tonight. So what do we have on tap to discuss tonight? Well... Let's see here. We've got several things going on around the world, as of course you know. Uh, I think the last week we um, have an article that came out in the New York Times that we would like to discuss. It's called the 1619 Project, which deals with the uh, first enslaved Africans that were brought to the shores of uh, of America, uh, what is now known as the United States, and it deals with articles. Um, and there's about 10 articles that uh, covered different aspects of positive influence of black the black community and slavery and slaves and uh, black folks towards America. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, there's some NFL news we'll discuss. Uh, we'll talk about Jay-Z and uh, him um, being the, the person that's going to be managing Super Bowl entertainment and so on and some of the controversial um, topics and ideas that's, that's developed 
because of his situation and Colin Kaepernick and um, the Black Players Union and so on. So that's that's where we are tonight. That's where we are. So uh, we'll go from there. Cool. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off. I, um, I think I was, I was at work and, uh, you sent me a text, um, in regards to the 1619 project. And I see, I've got to check it out. And, uh, you know, at the time I didn't, I didn't get to fully read all the articles. I didn't read all the articles. I read four of the 10 articles. I think it was the ones that like, you know, this really caught my eye. And, um, you know, some of the topics discussed in that project, we have actually hit upon here in the, in the podcast. And, I, and the one that um, I started with was how the U.S., um, the, the democracy in America, one, what that meant to black people who were brought here against their will, how black people and other minority groups have contributed to the uh, fabric of America. However, their stories have been whitewashed a lot of times out of the history books, um, out of, um, you know, just day to day conversation about this country. Um, that participation and those contributions have been whitewashed uh, out of history. So some of those things we touched on and, and the, the young lady who wrote the article, uh, she drifted back. Uh, and the and the article opens with her talking about how her dad always used to have the flag flying outside their house. And she just thought that right. was so ironic, knowing what America thought of black people. How could my dad fly this flag of a country that treats him less than? And, um, you know. We've understood that for a long time. We we have always believed as black people, we have always believed in the good of America. And time and time again, uh, you can look at uh, instances in the history of this country where that has not borne truth. And uh, that article out of all the four I read, you know, really, um, really touched me to an extent. Uh, her dad was a, was a military guy, served in the Army. You and I both have worn the uniform of this country. You and the Coast Guard, me and the Air Force, we've served this country, wore the uniform, saluted the flag, et cetera, et cetera. But what those guys went through during World War II, and uh, I have a friend here, he was a Vietnam vet, you know, telling me stories about how they were treated wearing the uniform of this country, how they were treated as second-class citizens. And you have to wonder, you know, why we continually believe in the best of America after the way this country has treated us. I, that, I, I don't know, what, what, what is that about us? Do you, can you speak to that? What is that about us? What, what is that in us that makes us continually believe in the good of America when America has not always been good to us? You know, I, I think after 300 years of being part of the American fabric and, you know, that the term African-Americans, that, that hyphenated term is it is just that, you know, we know that our ancestors came from Africa. We know that. But, but after being here for so many generations, you know, we have this connection with the United States, the good and the bad of it. You know, I don't know my relatives that live in Nigeria. I don't know my relatives that is from Sierra Leone. I don't know my relatives that is from Cam. Um, uh, Cameroon, I don't know them. And I know that I'm members of my family that are there. I've never met them before. The only members that I know is from my immediate family. So that I have more of a connection with the United States than I do with those West African nations. Therefore, I feel that we've adopted or adapted to life in America, the good and the bad, and therefore we kind of get that connection to this land, the good and the bad of this land. 
I think that's maybe what she doesn't understand in that article is that how can my father, you know, support this country when he has been treated so as a uniform uh, officer or an enlisted person in the United States military? That's what I saw from that. Uh, right or wrong, the connection is still there. Uh, as far as as far as I see it, what about what about you? Well, I, you know, and, and yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think we have we have adapted, uh, as they say, when in Rome, do as the Romans. I mean, that's sort of what. Oh, absolutely. You know, when 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 in Rome, do as the Romans do. Well, here we are. We're in America, and we, you know, for the most part, the identity, those things that are inherent to the African culture. Those things have been stripped away from us. So in a lot of ways, we do not necessarily know who we are. And I think we hit upon this topic in one of the previous podcasts where my view was, you know, we hyphenate. Yes, we're African hyphened Americans. And I I, I recall something that Malcolm X said in one of his speeches or it's one of his books. I've I've got several of, of Malcolm X's books and his speeches. Malcolm said that. We are of Africa, and his term for us was Afro-American, meaning we are of Africa, but not necessarily African. And so, yes, do we look like the people on the continent? Yes. Um, Do we do maybe some of the similar things, people on the continent? Yes. But we don't necessarily, like you say, you don't know the people that— you are akin to in Cameroon or Sierra Leone or any of those other Western African nations because that's been stripped. And, uh, and, and we, we have to find another identity. And that identity has been, we have adopted what the majority, uh, says and, and does here in America. We've adopted to that. So in a way we lost, uh, who we are as, as a people, we are, we are black people in America. You know, you, you use you used the term earlier that kind of goes along with this. You used the term whitewashed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, you used you the know, term whitewashed so it's out of out of out of history. Go right. Ahead. And, and there and there was there was something in our, it, it wasn't this particular article. It was one of the other essays where these two young girls, they were in school, I think they're in elementary school. And the teacher asked them to write uh, an essay or something about their country. And so the two little girls, two black mm-hmm. girls, they looked at each other and realized, what do we write about? You know, we 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 we're black, but this country doesn't treat us as though we belong here and we don't know anything about Africa. So what do we write about? And they were perplexed because they didn't know what to do. So the one little girl said, finally, I just went up to the globe and I picked the first African country that I could find and claim that as my home. I mean, so, um, you know, as, as my wife says, we have endured so much. We are a strong people. And what 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 that means is, despite all the mistreatment the, the 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 second class citizens label that's been put on us, the fact that we're viewed as being inferior to other people, somehow we have endured and we're still here. And that's I think that was the essence of that article, the very first article. We have contributed mightily to the fabric of this country. And and I mentioned in one of the other podcasts. Until America gets real about who America is and they tell the entire story about how this country came to be and how it prospered and became the the industrial powerhouse that it was. And it it is in a lot of sense. It still is. But until the true story is told how all these people have contributed to that, we're going to be in the situation that we find ourselves in now. People are distrustful of one another. There's hatred. There's vitriol. There's all this stuff because, again, one group is being told that you're better than another. You deserve this. These people don't deserve that. 
And it's 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 us against them mentality. And until America gets real about that, uh, that is where we're, we're, we're going to be. And it's it's going to be a slippery slope um, to where we're going to wind up. We're just going to continue falling. And who knows where we're going to end up? Well, you know, Wayne, the the idea of the Article 1619 that came out, it immediately had backlash from some prominent past legislators. Absolutely. Like Newt Gingrich. You know, he came out and said it's a a terrible article. It doesn't tell the truth and so on. And to me, it's just I, I, I don't understand why they can't. Some people cannot just take the articles as they were, you know, black folks, enslaved Africans, you know, our ancestors all helped build the nation. You cannot deny that the South wouldn't, the cotton wouldn't be king in the South if there weren't slaves. That's right. Okay. You know, we wouldn't have, they would not have built the economy of the South if there had not been those people out there working those fields and so on. Right. And so, therefore, you can't de- you cannot deny the contributions of this group of people. I think more than anything, that's what the articles are about. You know, America is great. America is fine. America has always leaned forward, but you cannot deny the fact that this group of people or these groups of people have contributed to the United States history. Yes. But yet, when it comes to history, we get one month out of the year in which we decided to choose this month ourselves to show pride in our history. And then people are upset about that. So you were damned if we do, if we damn if we don't. So there's always going to be somebody that's going to bitch and moan about the fact that, you know, it's like somebody's getting something special. No, we're not getting anything special out of these articles. We're just telling what contributors there were to the United States of America. Right. And, and, and you know, something that I've, I've you know, talked to my wife about, I've talked to my daughter about, you know, she was coming of age, that um, the fact that. So much of our story, so much of other people's story has been, and I, lo- I like that word, whitewashed, out of history. The, the Chinese and what they contributed to the Transcontinental Railroad and the, and the migrants exactly. came here, you know, the, from, from South America and all that, you know, us as slaves brought here, you know. And the Irish. The, the Irish, Irish, the the Irish the, were hated when they came here. Right. The Irish and the Polish, the Italians, you know. And, and, and before I get to my point, the, the, the fact that you hear these people all the time saying we need to take our country back. And my thing is, what country? You don't have a country. The only people that can claim that have a claim to this country are the Native Americans. And you treated them like crap. You just took their land, stuck them on land that you can't raise any crops on, do anything with. You know, the Native Americans are the only people who can say, hey, this was our land, you know. So all these people who came here, Polish, Irish, Italian, you know, we were brought here as as slaves. Uh, the Chinese were brought here, uh, came here looking for better life. What did they end up doing? They ended up working on the railroad and being treated like crap, you know. So we 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 have to get real about what has gone on in this country. And all these special months, you've got Black History Month, you've got Spanish Heritage Month, you've got Asian Pacific Islander Month. All these special months set aside to recognize the contributions of people, in my opinion, they would not necessarily be necessary if America got real about this is the true story of how this country came to be. And all these people contributed to it. And you tell that story in all its glory. But we can't get to that. And my wife had a discussion with a coworker the other day. That, you know, Trump is out here calling himself the chosen one, you know, oh my, my he's God. the chosen one. But my wife had a, had a good point. She said, you know what? I do think God may have put Trump 
in this position and he did it for a reason. And that reason is so the curtain can be pulled back from Mm -hmm. America, Mm -hmm. show us how ugly we really are. And and what what you're seeing is the curtain being pulled back. You know, people don't want that curtain pulled back. It's sort of like in The Wizard of Oz when they're telling you, don't pay no attention to that man behind the the curtain, (laughs) right? The The curtain has been pulled back. The wizard has been exposed. And now America is being is 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 being shown how ugly it really is. And it not only is being showed to us here in America, the world is seeing world is ugly snowing, right. this country is, you know, and right. so right. until that happens, man, I, I, I think the fact that, yes, we have Black History Month, the contributions of black Americans, they need to be expressed and yet people get pissed off about that well why do y'all need this why do you need you know because no one else is telling the story you are telling the story same thing with asian americans and 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 and, you know people from latin descent you know their contributions what do they do to the country you know contribute to the country so until we get real those things are necessary. We've got the black music awards we got the black grammys we got the latin grammys we have you know we, we can't ever get to a point where, you know what, everybody has played a part. Let's recognize that on a grand stage. We can't get to that. And I, I don't know if we ever will. Right. I don't know if we ever will. And some of, the, and some of that has, has to do with power. Some of it has to do with denying, you know. Um, you know, after the Civil War, the South was controlled by uh, the North. You yeah. know, they lost the Civil War. For some for some reason, people still show the Confederate flag, but they were, you know, they committed treason, and yeah. the South basically was controlled. I mean, the the radical Republicans, you know, the Republicans like to use Abraham Lincoln as, you know, the founder of their party. Well, Abraham Lincoln believed in civil rights, the Thirteenth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment, the Fifteenth Amendment. All that was done under uh, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Uh, I saw somebody on Facebook the other day said, these two people are the greatest visionaries they are. And Abraham Lincoln and John Kennedy was the two guys. And I wanted to go go back and say, well, both of them believed in civil rights, but I didn't. But when, when, when the reconstruction came to an end of the Civil War when the uh, uh, Union troops left the South, the South went back to what can we do to keep these people controlled, keep yep. these slaves controlled? Well, well, we'll pass a whole series of laws so that they can't do or gain complete freedom. We'll keep them tied to the land. We'll keep them tied to uh, the cotton crops or the tobacco crops and the tobacco fields and so on. So they took over the state legislatures and passed laws that basically legally denied people's yeah. rights uh, as yeah. citizens. And that stuff is still going on today. They just, you know, like you said, you know, the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is basically saying what's on his mind and everybody sees it. It's open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, prior to that, they were doing these things behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, the the 2010 uh, census, when the, uh, the Republican Party took control of the uh, uh, Congress, they changed all these rules, the Voting Rights Act. All these things were changed to deny people, to deny people uh, the right to vote, you know, and so on. So that's all part of of control. And um, these articles, back to uh, 1619, these articles were designed to bring a light upon the idea that these are contributors. Um, last week, a week before last, I happened to drive to Florida for a funeral and had to drive through Atlanta to get there. Now, God was on my side because I went through Atlanta, did not have to stop, didn't have to slow down. It was a perfect time going and coming, you know. So after the funeral, 
uh, in in uh, Gainesville, Florida, I drove back to the other side of the north side of Atlanta. I got to Atlanta about eight to nine o'clock at night. Traffic was no problem. Just went straight through, had no problems. However, any other time you go through Atlanta, it is horrible. Yeah. It is horrible. It yeah. is terrible. And and most of that is was brought up in this article that the traffic in Atlanta is so bad because the leaders of the government in Atlanta at the time decided that how can we keep our kids from going to school with black kids? How can we segregate these communities? And so in the 1950s, when Eisenhower was responsible for our interstate highways, they started building highways through there. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, where can we build the highway, the interstate? Well, let me see. Do we want to build it through the white neighborhood or build it through the black neighborhood? Hmm, let's see. <laughs> Interstate 20. Let's put it right through the black neighborhood. Let's separate them. Let's make it hard on them. And so the white neighborhoods won't have to deal with that problem. Yep, absolutely. Okay. And so it went from there. And then 75 went through. And I mean, if you look in Atlanta, there's nothing, there's hardly any problem property downtown that people live in everybody lives out in the suburbs yep absolutely you know, it, was, it, it was brought up in that article yep yep the fact that to this day they can't get MARTA, which is the the, the, the light rail system uh they can't get that to go through certain neighborhoods to this day so you public know public transportation public transportation i mean so you know you you have to wonder you know atlanta is is predominantly black predominantly black city, you know, how much power do we really have when here it is 2019 and you can't get public transportation, this MARTA and, and is what it's called, to go through certain neighborhoods in a city that's primarily controlled by black people. I, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and the thing that goes along with that is that as we had white, as they had white flight, to go out to the suburbs, then they wanted to bring martyr through there. You have a city council that's controlled by black folks. And then they said, we're going to take martyr through the neighborhoods. And then the white neighborhood said, no, we don't yeah. want martyr coming through our neighborhood because it's going to bring black people into our neighborhood. And yeah. when they come into the neighborhood, there's going to be crime and there's going to be yeah. rapes, yeah. And murders and yeah. all that. So therefore we're not going to, we're not going to allow that to happen. Yep. And then they come back and complain. You know, I, I was looking at one of the articles and one lady in the, in the 1619 article about Atlanta said, why, why subsidize people who can't manage their money to save up a dime to buy a car? Right. <laughs> our, our taxes is going to go to martyr and these people can't can't even buy a car. No, we're not doing that. And yep. that's recently. You know, yep. before is that we're going to bring in crime. Recently, it's, well, we're not going to help these people because they can't even afford a car. So, hell, I'm not going to help them. I think that's, I think that may be the essence of a lot of strife that we have today is that a, a group of people feel that they're not getting something. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm not getting welfare. I don't have to have welfare. So anybody that gets welfare, we don't like them. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And and that's purpose that, that that's been done on purpose because for as long as I remember, when when the when the subject of welfare came up, public assistance, whatever you want to call it, when that topic was ever discussed, it was always it was us on it. You know, mm -hmm. but the statistics have proven, proven that the majority of people on welfare are not us. Right. They, it is not us. But that narrative is not pushed as hard as the fact that black people are the ones benefiting and not doing their fair share to contribute to society. Therefore, they're the ones that are always looking for a handout and whatnot when it's just the opposite. So the narrative continues that somehow if we allow this, 
then it's going to make it bad for us. And these people are bad. We don't want them over here, this or that. That narrative continues. And again, it's part of that uh, curtain that's been pulled back. Like you said, the occupant in 1600 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, he says what a lot of people for the longest time they wouldn't say out in public. They talk about it in their homes, but they aren't going to say it out in public. Now they have carte blanche to say whatever. And the curtain is pulled right. back and it's ugly. And uh, we, we are finding out uh, just how uh, diverse and what people think about diversity. We're finding out the real deal now. And uh, this, this, a lot of these essays hit upon that. That, uh, you know, people feel that they deserve more power than other people. They feel they deserve more than other people because of where they live or what their status is in the community, this or that. And, um, and again, it's America has to get real. And until that happens, we're going to keep talking about this issue, man. We're, we're going to be 80 years old talking about well, this. Well, hell, we talked about it our entire lives our entire lives you know we talked about our entire lives we grew up with it yeah our kids have have heard about it from us yeah you know it's never going to change until like you said until america gets real you know we in the earlier podcast i mentioned that we are not afraid of talking about it because we've always had to talk about it now the other part of the country they don't want to talk about it because I think they feel that, oh, here we go. We're bringing up the past, you know, and and that's F bygones be bygones, you know, leave it alone. Let's not talk about that. But you got to talk about it. You got to get that. You have to get that out in the open. You have, right. have to right. uh, you have to move forward. Right. It, it's like South Africa, you know, with apartheid. You know, once uh, apartheid had ended with the election of Nelson Mandela as president, uh, South Africa went through that transition of bringing all these things to the forefront. Yep. You know, they had trials of, of people that had committed crimes against um, the, the black folks of South Africa and so on. Um, they brought all that stuff out and they brought that pain up to the surface and they talked about it and they were able to get by some of that. Yeah. They still have issues because of the way the system was. But at least they brought it up. They didn't try to hide it. They brought it to the forefront and talked about it. That's what America has to do. And these right. some of these people have to just let's get it. Let's get it off your chest. Let's talk about it. Get over with it. And then we can move forward until that happens. And when, you know, people are going to shy away from it. You know, Wayne, one time uh, there's a there's a small town in, in near Indianapolis, south of Indianapolis. And there's a sports broadcaster and every Friday night they do, you know, the Friday night lights and stuff like this. Well, this is unique in what he said. He said that, you know, there's a 50 there's a 50 cent sale on sheets in this, I'll say, town X. Now, the problem is that the people don't know if they want to lay on the sheets or wear the sheets. Oh, wow. If you take my meaning, I get the that. people don't aren't are conf, are confused whether they're going to lay on the sheets or if they're going to wear the sheets. Now, this was probably 20, 25 years ago. That small town south of Indianapolis, you know, they still have a stigmatism about that, wow. you know, because of things that happened 50, 60 years ago. So that's that's the process that we have to get through, you know. Yeah. And it's ironic, right? You you mentioned South African apartheid. It, it was it was to me, it was it was hypocritical that the US was, you know, railing on South Africa that you need to give people their rights and you need to stop, you know, this the majority being in control of people and this that I mean, but you're doing the same thing in your country to people. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like you can't see the forest for the trees. So you can't call out apartheid in South Africa 
and you still treating people like crap in your own country. You know, I, I just yeah. thought that was weird when when apartheid was going on and, uh, you know, Mandela was in prison and, and, and the, 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 the minority was ruling the majority in South Africa. And it's like, this is insane, you know? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was insane. But yet America, you, you could call that out, but you couldn't call out the fact that your black citizens in your country are being treated less than and, and not given the right of full citizenship. So um, need we say more because until yeah. America gets real and we, we keep saying get real. Uh, America does not want to get real about this subject. And uh, I, we we may never see it in our lifetime uh, that that, uh, you know, it's like a, a sore with a with a Band-Aid on it. Sometimes you just need to grab that Band-Aid and pull it off. It's going to hurt mm-hmm. for a little bit. Rip it you got to pull it off, expose it, and let's talk about it. But until that happens, yep. uh, America does not want to go down that path because it makes certain people feel uncomfortable. So, right. um, Speaking of uncomfortable, you know, the 1619 Project made some folks uncomfortable. Now, there's uh, a separate group of people that are uncomfortable about one of America's famous entertainment uh, icons, Jay-Z. So I think this is a, a good time to uh, flow right into uh, Jay-Z and his his ideas about the NFL and uh, sports and entertainment combination and so on. Um, yeah, I know that you uh, watch a whole lot of sports and you do a lot of that. Um, I mean, I don't hardly watch hardly any basketball. I watch football. I watch some baseball every now and then. Hell, I don't watch any soccer. Yeah. Unless it's something really big. Like I watch maybe the championship game of the World Cup with the women's soccer and so on. But, um, you know, with Jay-Z, you know, he's stirring up some 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 um, issues that seems to be. Uh, hypocritical in in what's going on with him. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I, right. You know, I'm I'm of the mindset the jury is out. Um, yeah. The, the jury is out. Um, it's early. It, it's early. Um, you 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 were a supporter of, of of Colin Kaepernick when when he made his statement and took his took his knee um, to highlight the fact that. Uh, you know, police brutality in America and, and, and young black men being shot in the street, this type of thing. He took a knee for that. He sacrificed his career for that. And Jay-Z was one of those people who were very vocal in supporting Colin Kaepernick. It's strange now that you want to partner with the people who have basically blackballed him out of the league. Now, you're in Indianapolis. Uh, Andrew Luck retired from the NFL today. I mean, literally <laughs> retired from the NFL. So last night, yeah, last night, Indianapolis is in need of a quarterback. The guy that they have, I think when I read ESPN today, I don't think he's played it down since 2017 or something like that. You know, he hasn't been playing consistently. So you need a quarterback. Why not? Here's the time. If, if you stand for what you say you stand for and you're not blackballing this guy, why not give Colin Kaepernick a job? When I give him a job, I, I hope that Jay-Z's partnership, I hope that he is able to work from the inside to ultimately get Colin Kaepernick back into the league. That's what I hope. And I think that's what a lot of people are hoping. They're hoping this is this is more than about you lining up entertainment for the Super Bowl and whatnot. They're hoping that you are able to use your influence to make sure this guy did not sacrifice himself in vain, that he's able to get back into the league and, you know, plying his trade as a professional quarterback. You know, that's what I think people are hoping for. The jury is out to see, okay, what are you really going to do with this? Um, And it's got a lot of people upset because they do feel as though he turned his back on Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, speaking out both sides of his neck. Yeah. And so um, the jury is out. Like I said, people have a wait and see attitude as to as to exactly what does this mean? Because um, some people say, you know, you're partnering with the enemy. 
And um, people can say what they want, but it is it is clear that he's he has been blackballed out of the league and uh, all because he made a statement that for the most part was 100 percent true. He was highlighting an issue that is factual and true. And so uh, let, let's see what happens. Uh, he's very influent. I think you mentioned uh, you don't under, necessarily understand his influence in the music realm, but he is one of those um, generational type talents uh, in the in the hip hop world. He he is in that stratosphere. There are certain rappers that have that reverence uh, in the hip hop community. He is one of those rappers. Uh, I would say Tupac was one of those. Uh, Biggie Smalls, uh, I can, you know, we can go on and on. There, there are certain people in hip hop that have that status that people revere them. LL Cool J is one of those people as well, in my opinion. Uh, Eric B and Rakim, you know, th- those those guys who have been in the game and their status has eclipsed what uh, hip hop was designed to be because now they've taken that and it's morphed into something else, and so. That's where I see his influence. He, he is revered in the hip hop community. So now you're a businessman. What are you going to do now that you're you're literally on the inside now? What are you going to do to bring Kaepernick's sacrifice? What are you going to do to bring that full circle? And my hope is that uh, he ends up getting a job back in the league. Well, hell, he's already said that the time of taking the knee is over. We don't need that. That's time has passed. You know what? That that, that time is not over. Um, <laughs> but that's we, what Jay Z said. Yeah. Well, he he's wrong about that because we had yeah. a we had a shooting out here in Colorado Springs that made the national news. You may have heard about it. We had a young man get shot down in the street here um, about uh, gosh maybe about two two or three weeks ago. Um, young man, um, the cops rolled up on him. And there had been a report that um, two young men had had robbed somebody at gunpoint or whatnot. Uh, the kid who got robbed gave a description of these two guys. And so the dispatcher ready to say, hey, we, we got a report of a robbery with a gun, blah, blah, blah. Who can roll on it and find out what's going on? Well, these two cops, uh, of course, they were white. They, they roll up on these two black kids in one of the neighborhoods here. Uh, the one kid did have a gun on him. He did not pull the gun. The cop said, um, you know, keep your hands up. We want to come over and search you to see if you have a weapon. Well, the one kid took off running and you can go out and watch the body cam footage. Uh, The kid was running away and they shot this kid about six times, Uh, shot him in the back. And uh, he's lying in the street. He's moaning because he's been shot six times. And uh, he's bleeding. You can see the blood on the ground. He's bleeding out and everything. I mean, I would hate to be that to be my kid as a parent watching that, you know. And uh, so the community is on edge here because it's another young black man gunned down in the street, you know, running away from you. And you're telling me you can't do anything to halt him running away other than shoot him in the back. Mm-hmm. So the time for Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, no, it's still going on. Right. And, and, and it's not just necessarily young black men getting shot in the street. It's all this foolishness with folks calling the police on people for reasons that are totally asinine. You know, it's right, that, right. too. It's the fact that somehow we are viewed as a threat. I've mentioned this on several podcasts. People view us automatically as a threat. And if we're doing something that them is like, why are you doing this? Why are you here? Why are you in my space doing this or that? Then it causes them to call the police on people. It's like, I'm a citizen. I'm minding my own business. What are you calling the police on me for? So it's 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 to me, Wayne, it's, it's equal justice. You know, it's equal justice. Well, we don't see that right now. Right. You know, if you look in the past past few weeks, you know, we've had these mass shootings. Yep. And these mass shooters who's given themselves up, they just raise their hands and they just taking them into jail. You know, yeah, they just right. stopped and just taking yep. them into jail. Yeah. If that was if that was someone of color before they would have taken five steps, they would have probably shot them. 
Absolutely. You know, because one, and, right. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, we got two systems of justice. I mean, it's just, we can say it over and over again, it's not right. You know, the, no. the, the scales of justice are, aren't leaning in our favor or in, in anyone of color's favor. Yep. So, you know, when, when when Jay Z says that we know we want to get past you know the kneeling, that's not going to happen. Nope. As long as as long as police officers and the Justice Department is um, not doing the right thing, that's just not going to happen. I mean, I mean the civil rights movement lasted as long as it lasted uh, because things were continued to happen against people of color. And, yeah continue to fight for their rights and this that's going to happen continue to happen today people are going to continue to fight for the rights and um jay-z has to deal with that right. now one curious thing is that he's supposed to be in charge of super bowl entertainment i'm curious on who's going to be the super bowl entertainment <laughs> Just think about it if you go you go past a I mean, we're at Super Bowl 50-something. I, I, yeah. See, I was nine years old when I watched the first Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, so we're at Super Bowl 54, 55, maybe. I, I don't know exactly. It's 50-something. But, <laughs> yeah, but the entertainment, now, when he starts putting certain folks on as entertainment, there may be a backlash against that because it's now, you know, you have – you know, country Western stars, pop stars, you know, and so on. And so if he starts, if he starts putting on too many folks of color in this Super Bowl entertainment, I guarantee you he's going to hear, hear about that. Oh yeah. There's going to be serious backlash from that. Seriously. Oh shoot. We, we Hell, all... I, I would, <laughs> I would like to hear Monday night football have somebody other than a country singer. Right. Right. We, we, we know it's coming. <laughs> and uh, we know it's coming. And if and if, if he does that, folks just better get ready because the the majority of the countries like, you know, why are you having all these, either whether they're rap acts or R&B, whatever, um, you know, why are you having all these people on? You know, there is going to be backlash if if that's you know, if that's what he does. Uh, I'm hoping that. You know, the entertainment will be spread across different genres, you know, that uh, appeals to a wide audience. Uh, and there is no backlash. But right. knowing, knowing he, things as we know them, <laughs> uh, he, he can't he can't make a mistake and, and lean toward one direction. Yeah. If he wants to keep that job, he yeah. damn well better have a yeah. mix of artists yeah, for the Super Bowls, pre yeah. Game after game, whatever yep, in the absolutely. Super Bowl, or he's just shooting himself in the foot. But um, yeah, he he's you know he is that entertainment mogul, mm -hmm. and once again he's he's got the power. He's a producer and all that. As I told you before, I don't quite understand his music because I don't don't see him. He can't carry a tune to me. <laughs> you know that's that's just me. That's just yeah. me personally. That you know, my son Alex, he's always you know he's growing up listening to Daisy. I'm like, I don't get it. He's just talking. He's not saying, right. you know. But that's that's just right. that's just me. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's a there. I think of of my playlist of about seven thousand songs. I think I've got two Jay Z songs on there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. You know. But we'll yeah. see what happens with um, the NFL yeah. and um, how he can contribute, or maybe moves. Maybe he can move the needle. Uh, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm, I think folks are hoping he is able to work from the inside to bring um, Kaepernick's uh, stance, the 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 thing he did. I mean, he pretty much sacrificed his career, hoping he can bring that full circle. Because I I disagree. The the need is still there. Uh, what Kaepernick highlighted, it's still going on. So just to say, you know, no, we're past that. No, we're not. We're we're yeah. still in the mix of of, yeah. of of what's going on in this country. And like you say, there there are two systems of justice. They're unequal, 
And people, if they just looked at the bare facts, they would recognize that. But again, uh, America doesn't want to get real. America does not want to get real. And so um, we we could that that's the slogan. America get real. That that's that America needs to get real about a lot of things. So so I, I want to go back to the sixteen nineteen project before we wrap up, and we're at the top of the app. Okay. One of the articles that in the in one of the essays in the project talked about the um, the theft of black music <laughs> by white artists. Speaking of music, yes. And so I'd like to get your take on the article, what, what your opinion is, and then I'll chime in and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up for tonight. But I'd like to give you read that, that essay. I'd like to get your take on it. What was, what was your view on it? Well, it's, it's pretty, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, the fact that, you know, the only truly American music is jazz music that was created. And that jazz was created by, you know, African rhythms and so on. And it would became popular back in the late uh, turn of the century, uh, turn of the 19th century, that is, and early the 20th century. And it was such trans transitional that the fact that people listened to it. However, um, black folks always listened to it and they always had new ways of producing this music. Lots of uh, different chords, uh, lots of ways that they changed the way they played the piano. They, they took old, old school or old European instruments and turned them into something else because they were able to manipulate the keys in certain ways that made that genre develop. Um, it wasn't kosher for white America to openly listen to black music. It wasn't uh, supposed to be feasible for white artists to play black music. Black music was not played on the radio, popular music, because it was race music. And what ended up happening is that you had some artists that took this forbidden fruit, this music that was so dynamic, that was so transitional, that was so fantastic that they wanted a piece of that. Yeah. We want a piece of that. And so therefore they started to use that. They started to play that. And then in the late fifties, that music became a transition. You know, Elvis Presley, Elvis Presley grew up poor, Tupelo, Mississippi, going to black churches, playing black music. And he was able to take this race music he was able to take that music and bring it to white audiences. It was okay now, okay? In the 1960s, it was okay that the Beatles came to America and played black music that white folks thought was white of people like Chuck Berry, people like Little Richard. You can, you can see it in their songs, mm -hmm. you know? When little Richard, when little Richard would bang on the keyboards and go, whoo, mm -hmm. you know, the Beatles took yeah. that and incorporated it into their song. You know, they were just doing little Richard. And so it was okay for that to happen. You know, um, they used the music to become wealthy. Uh, um, record producers used black music to become wealthy. Most black artists did not become wealthy because of, you know, uh, rights of copyright and stuff like that. And it was it was all put forward in the fact that we like your music. We want to be a part of your music. When rap came out, you got 
people that started to do rap as well. You know, you got the Vanilla Ices, you got the M&Ms, you got the Beastie Boys, you got all these people that took that these new genres and made it their own. But but they didn't want to um, share in some of some of that. They it was okay to take our culture, but it wasn't okay to be a part of the culture. What do you thought? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think people, a lot of artists from that genre, and, and I'm, I'm reminded if you ever get the opportunity, there's a documentary, uh, called Muscle Shoals. And, uh, if you, if you follow music, if you're into music or not, Muscle Shoals was this, this little town in Alabama and uh, they had a studio down there. And, uh, you know, the muscle soul, muscle shoal sound was produced in that little studio. Some of the biggest hits of the 60s and 70s were recorded in that studio by a bunch of white guys who are the house band from Muscle Shoal Studios. Wilson Pickett. Right. Of Franklin. A lot of these hits that, you know, people groove to were recorded in Muscle Shoals. Um, so the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, uh, the Who, a lot of these um, British bands started hearing this music in Europe and they wanted that sound. So what did they do? They flew over to America, came to Muscle Shoals and got those guys to record that sound that the Wilson Pickett's and the Percy Sledges and the Aretha Franklin's, um, all those folks were, were using and they and they wanted that sound. And so that's where a lot of that started. We want the sound, you know, right. and, and morphed into, you know, well, let's 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 take your song and put you know put our own spin on. Let's cover your song, which a lot of times got more airplay than the black version that the black artist who recorded the song. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, got more airplay than the than the black artist that recorded the song. So right. I and we, we talk about hip hop. Hip hop was created by young black kids in the hood, straight up young black kids in the hood who took old records, took turntables, microphones, people rapping over beats and created what we now know as hip hop at the time. And I told my daughter this. I said at the time when when hip hop started, the white man wanted nothing to do with hip hop. He thought it was right. a mess he thought it was like this is what is this this is a bunch of crap but now who owns the bulk of hip-hop you know and 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 that 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 is is was stolen i mean hip-hop was literally hijacked by the white man that's my opinion yo mtv raps was was yep. a show. mtv didn't even play rap music on on their show yo mtv raps was was a show and it was it was started by a white dude. It was started by a white dude, you know? So I think as you said, people people want our culture. They don't necessarily want to um they don't want to participate in it, but they want to appropriate mm-hmm. what is there so they can get rich off of it. And so the the young lady who wrote that essay she was dead on. Now, one, one of the things I didn't agree with, she mentioned an artist in the essay that I had to disagree with. She called out Tina Marie. And I, I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> she called out yeah, Tina Marie. Did. And I, I can't <laughs> agree with that. I can't agree with that. Tina Marie was down with black culture. She was yep. down with black culture. She knew because she lived around it. Yeah, so she's I, from I, Indonesia. Right. I, I don't see that Tina Marie propagated black culture by her singing and, and, and her music. Uh, black folks love Tina Marie to this day. So I, I had to disagree with her when she called Tina Marie out. But the fact that the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, a lot of these European bands, a lot of the boy bands of today. That's why you see so many of the collaborations now with the little pop stars and the hip hop artists, because that's to them. Ooh, I'm, I'm if, if I do a collaboration with a rapper, I'm somehow inside the culture. No, you're not. You're on the periphery of things. And right. knowing good and well, you wouldn't trade places with that young black hip hop, hip hop artist 
You're not going to trade places with them. You know, you, you, you want what he can provide you or he can provide you, but you wouldn't trade places with them for nothing, you know, to have to, to have to deal with what the culture, what goes on in the culture, you wouldn't want to deal with that. And so, um, yes, uh, theft is a, is a strong word. I think people propagate, um, <laughs> yeah. propagate and they, 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 they take black music, uh, they use it. They've gotten very wealthy off of that. And, um, it's unfortunate, but that's how it is. But I think we, it's, again, it's something about us as black people. If the music is good, whether you're right, white, red, green, or blue, if the music is good, we embrace it. We listen to it. And you mentioned before, you've got a whole playlist of blue eyed soul. And, uh, you know, we grew up listening to Hall and Oates and, and, uh, Michael McDonald and, and, and Robin Thicke and people like that. You know, if it's good music, I think we're going to listen to it. That's how right, I, right. I, I know, well, you know, I know what you're doing. I do. I agree with that, but you know what? The music's good. So I, I I can get with it, but her article was well, very interesting. Her article was very. Well, what do you what do you think, Wayne? What do you think about the uh, Old Town? Uh, is you know, it Old Town uh, I, by uh, Little Is it Little Nas X? Little Nas X. I actually like it. Yeah. I, I like the remix with him yeah. and Billy Ray Cyrus. Well, see, I, I, I here's think, the thing. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> the remix, the re- remix is what's being played on yeah. country songs. When Lil yeah. Nas originally made that song, it right. was not. It was right. banned from country radio. Right, right. right. Period. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. until Billy Ray Cyrus covered it, remixed it with Lil Nas, that yeah. it's being yeah. played yeah. on country radio right. and pop. Now, it is the number one song in <laughs> all areas, the longest yeah. Long. ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I, I like the remix. It's unfortunate that uh, you know country stations didn't want to play the song because they felt it didn't meet the criteria of a country song. Uh, Billboard took it off the country chart, and again, it it took it took you know a white man to validate that this song was worthy to be played. On country song, the dude made a country song. He just happens to be. So what black. you're saying? So what you're saying is that they whitewashed this song. Is that what you're saying? Whi- uh, yeah, I'm saying I think they whitewashed. <laughs> the song. They whitewashed the song. Literally. That's exactly what I'm saying. And so now, you know, but but you know now you know he he's been on number one across the charts here for weeks and weeks. But it, it didn't happen until you got Billy Ray Cyrus to play on it, which I, you know, I'm nothing against Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray's he's getting paid too, but uh, you know, why couldn't you accept the song as it was when he put it out? He made a country song, okay? He made a country song, and so you know, um, put it on the chart, play it on country radio, you know, play it on country radio. He made a country song. So, you know, um, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. But um, I, I thought yeah. to say on this particular subject was good. The entire 1619 project is very informative. Uh, if you have not checked out the 1619 project, I encourage you to do so. It is very informative. It's very educational and will open your eyes to a lot of things that maybe you had been told or maybe you have not been told. Uh, you will get some valuable insight as to uh, things that uh, make you go hmm when you think about what's going on <laughs> in the black community. So yeah, all communities because you know it 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 deals with America. Yes, you know black, white, Asian, uh, Hispanic, Latino. You know it deals with what go, what's going on with this nation. It's just yep. looking at it from a perspective that here's a group of people that 400 years ago, within the last week, I think it is 400 years ago, the first 25 enslaved enslaved Africans came to these shores in Virginia. And, you know, that number has gone from 25 to 13 million plus. Okay. And of the 13 millions, many has contributed to the United States of America, even though uh, they have been persecuted, they have been and denied rights, uh, civil, individual, 
legal rights, voting rights, uh, and been able to survive and continue uh, within this within the United States of America. Yep. So, um, yeah, we we've gotten to the top of the hour. I think that the, this has been a pretty pretty lively discussion. I think we we're a little bit long on a couple of things, but you know, hey, we're going to have a discussion. You know, whether you're in Colorado Springs or I'm in Indianapolis, we're going to talk about these things. Okay. I mean, still, we're two small town um, uh, guys. Uh, grew up in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and the influence on our lives has also been influenced by everyone else that that were our friends and so on, family. And so this could be in a large community or this could be in a small community. This The situation under 1619 affects every community, large and small. Absolutely. Absolutely. I second that. All right. Well, uh, once again, uh, if you have any questions or anything, if you want to share this podcast or share any of our other podcasts, uh, please do so. Uh, you want to rate us, give us a big number five, give us five stars. Uh, we appreciate your support and we're going to continue to, uh, have fun with this and carry on a discussion. Uh, we're two small town folks coming from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And uh, that's uh, across the tracks for, for this week. All right. We're out. See you next time.